Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Anybody else? Just raise your hand if you need a copy of the notes. Anyone else? Well, let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever, never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank God for his holy written word. As I told you last week, we'll be talking about discovering our gift, motivational gifts, and the gift of God that he's placed within us. Talk about that for a little bit this morning and share some things I believe that will be enlightening and helpful to us to take our place as a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. And God wants every one of us to take our place and do our part. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look in the book of Romans, first of all, chapter 12, beginning at verse 4 from the NIV version, and read right on through verse 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and have these members, these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. For if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it's in teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Now, in the scriptures, we know there are three categories of gifts. First of all, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, we have what are called the uh, ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Those five gifts. And then you've got the manifestation gifts, and there are nine of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talk about special faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. So we have nine manifestation gifts. Here Paul talks about seven motivational gifts, and he named them. Whether it's prophecy, whether it's teaching, uh, whether it's giving, showing mercy, orchestrating, or leading, or administrating, they all go together. All these gifts are gifts given by the Holy Spirit and they are manifestations of the grace of God that are to be used to benefit the body of Christ and also to glorify God. Now what we'd like to do this morning is share with you some thoughts about that because would you agree with me that you need your body? Did you bring it with you today? I'm glad that you did. Well, Paul's trying to communicate thoughts to us by sharing the fact that even though we are many members, we make up or comprise one body. 
not just locally here, but the whole entirety of the body of Christ. But also here is a local body of believers. We're one body. And this one body has many different members. Just like your physical body has many different members. And every individual person who is a member in the body of Christ has been gifted by God. Look at 1 Peter in chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. As every man, notice every man. Now women that doesn't leave you out. Every man and every woman have received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards. Steward is a manager of someone else's property. You realize that? You are a manager of someone else's property. In other words, God gave each one a gift. He's the giver of the gift. But what he gives, we're responsible to manage. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which, notice, God giveth. Why? That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word gift here in these verses is the Greek word charisma. And it's talking about, let's say, a divine gratuity. It's talking about a supernatural endowment. It's talking about a free gift. At some point in our lives, God has made a deposit in all of our lives, giving us a gift that we're a steward of. So he gave us a spiritual endowment and that endowment we're responsible for. We're to do something with it. We're not to hide it under a bushel. We're not to hide it in the ground somewhere. But we're supposed to use it to glorify God and use it to benefit the body of Christ. Now before we talk about these gifts and we may not even get into the gifts of motivational gifts this morning. We're going to lay some groundwork if that's okay. Some foundational teaching to help us better understand how we can find our place. So we can do our part. So we can recognize and identify what our gift is. And you'll see the benefits of it in just a moment. But first and foremost, how do we discover our gift? Alright, some basic facts about the body of Christ will help us better understand how we can discover what our gift is. And number one, he compares the body of Christ to the human body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He compares it to a human body. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. He's talking about your physical body is one body. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I only have one. I don't know if I can handle two. Maybe, I don't know, maybe when you're driving you can let one sleep. And the other one do the rest of the driving. I don't know. Have you ever been there before? Uh, what are you doing? I'm, only, I'm sleeping with one eye. I'm resting one eye. The other one's driving. Watching the road while I'm driving. Okay. We have one body. But the next. Notice the next. But even though we have one body. We have many members. Right? Once again. The body has many members. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 again. Next verse. For the body is not one member. But what? Many. We all have many members to our one body. Next, each member, notice this, has its own function. Each member has its own function. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 15. 
If the foot shall say because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where's the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, then where's the smelling? What's he trying to reveal to us? We need our body parts. We may be one body, but we need all of them to function in a certain way. Now, do you think your foot ever gets mad at your hand? What about your eye saying, I can't smell that. It smells so good, but I can't smell it, I'm an eye. Aren't you glad that even though you're one body, all those body parts working together, having their own function, what do they do? Enable you to function in life in a very wonderful way. But you need your feet to walk on. You need your hands to do what they need to do, right? Your eyes to see, your ears to hear, your nose to smell, and your mouth to do a lot of things we shouldn't do. That's the reason for duct tape. A main reason for duct tape. Because the tongue is unruly and unruly evil. Is that what the Bible teaches us? Absolutely. Okay, next. God is the master designer of the human body. Can you imagine what a human body would, be, would look like if one of us designed it? Can you imagine that? Well, I know we'd have eyes behind our head. Women already have that. Especially if they have children. They can see in all directions, right? God's that master designer of the physical body. But he's also the master designer of the body of Christ. Aren't you glad that he put you together the way you are? Amen. Amen. But now this is so important. He's the master designer of the body of Christ. What does that mean? He'll put you where he wants you to be. He'll place you where he knows you fit in best. He knows where the eye goes and he knows what its function is. He knows the ears and what their functions are. He understands every part of the body. And so therefore we humble ourselves before God and we just say, Lord, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? But he's emphasizing the fact that as the great master planner and designer, he knows best. So I would, shouldn't want to intrude in some other place that I don't need to be. Can you imagine if your ear ever tried to jump over on your nose? That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? That's not how it works. Now, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. You can't just put yourself where you want to be, even though you may want to be there. You've got to let God put you where he wants you to be. When I came out of school and went at uh, Southside Christian Assembly Church, and Pastor Dan Rowland asked me, would you uh, go down to Midland and hold a service for one of our sister churches? They haven't had a pastor for a while, and would you hold a service I said sure I would I'd be glad to go down there and just share a little bit I was I was okay with that then in his next press he said would you consider being the pastor of that church I said oh hold on buddy no way I said no God would have to speak to me in an audible voice or show me a burning bush before I would do something like that because I'm not qualified see I knew my shortcomings I knew I wasn't qualified I know I'm only saved three years I'm not ready to do something like that I'm not mm -mm, mm -mm. he laughed I laughed and we went our separate ways I'm driving down Route 11. All of a sudden I hear this loud voice saying, you will be the next pastor of that church. It got my attention. I looked around the whole car, looked to see if in the back seat, front seat, under the seat. I looked everywhere. What? What? You will be the next pastor of that church. That was so loud. Now, I wanted to say, now Lord, didn't you hear what I just told Pastor Roland? 
no, I won't consider that. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm only young in the Lord. I don't know enough to be a pastor of a church. He would have said, yeah, I heard you say that. And I also heard you say, God have to speak in an audible voice. If you didn't say that, I'd have spoke to your heart. But because you can't hear, I had to speak loud. <laughs> you following me? Someone says, oh, I wish I heard that. No, that means you can't hear. No, that means you got a hard head. That means you're so bent on I'm not doing it. He's got to go louder and louder. Oh, yes, you are the next pastor of that church. So when I came down to the church and I preached my message and, and, and Brother Tony came up to me and said, would you consider candidating to be the pastor of our church? What was I supposed to say? No, I guess I could have said no. But what does that mean? He placed me where he wanted me to be. I didn't place me where I'm at. And it's wonderful to know that there are others as well that have been positioned and placed by God to form a body to the honor and glory of God that will benefit people and that will glorify the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can you see that? And then next, every member is needed. Oh my goodness, every member is needed. First Corinthians chapter 12 again. And look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. So who is the head? Jesus. Who's the foot? Any member that we might consider the lowly member because you're way down there. I don't can you imagine that? I don't really need you. Hmm. Think about it. Anybody here need your taste buds? Let me ask it a different way. When you ate your donut this morning back there, did you need your taste buds? Are you glad they were working? Hmm? When you smell that freshly baked bread in the morning, don't you love that smell? That's a smell that's got to be heavenly. Heavenly scent. Don't you agree with me? That manna must have had such a smell. So, oh my goodness, it must have smelled so good every morning. Can you imagine the, the bakers of heaven baking 4,500 tons of manna every morning? And placing it there for them to eat. Why am I saying all this? Because this is the groundwork. This is foundational. And the message I want to get across to all of us, there is nothing more important than you recognizing your need to be a part of a body of believers where you fit in and you function in a certain way. You may think it's small. It's not. You may say, well, all I do is uh, maybe greet people when they come into the church. That's wonderful. It's needed. Well, all I do is run the camera back there. You know, when we have our, the television ministry or, or live streaming, it's needed. I just fool with the sound. It's needed. I just play the guitar. It's needed. I just watch the children back there in the corner. It's needed. I just write out a card and I send it to someone who's in college or in the service. It's needed. Everyone is needed and everyone is equally important. And let me ask this. Which body part are you ready to give up today? Your body parts. Anybody, anybody want to give up any of your body parts? Cut off a thumb? Mm -mm. Remove an eye? I don't really need that one. Got one. Don't need another one. Right? What's he communicating to us? 
We're one body, but many members. And we need everyone doing something to promote the kingdom of God. And we're all needed, no matter what your function is. Number two, what knowing this does for us, what knowing our gift does for us as an individual, it helps us, first of all, to know God's will. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, Paul made a powerful statement. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Who's working in me? Who's working in you? God. And what's he doing? He's trying to work out his good will and pleasure in and through our lives. He's making his will known to us. He is speaking to us on the inside, seeing to it that we understand that this is my place, this is my part, this is what you want me to do. And because you recognize you're part of a body where you're needed, it doesn't matter if you're the eye, the ear, the nose, it doesn't matter if you're the toe. Because you're needed. And the thing is, since he's the master designer, you need to be where he wants you to be. I need to be where he wants me to be. Anybody here wanna hear me sing? You better say no. I'm sorry. I'm not committing myself to that. That's not my gift. That's not my call. Amen? Absolutely. I'm not going to do it. And that will bless you. <laughs> if I don't. <laughs> also, number two, it helps us discover our spiritual job description. What's my spiritual job description? Well, the nose smells, the ear hears, the eye sees, the hand works, the feet walk, etc., etc. We understand that language, right? But the singer sings, and the worship leader leads worship, and the administrator administrates, and the board member counsels and instructs and, and helps. Okay, and the list goes on, and the treasurer, and the administrative assistant. And the list goes on and on. We all have different parts and different functions. It's only when you allow the devil to say to you that your part is minuscule, meaningless, no value to it. Who are you? Nothing but a little toe. Well, you know what? You're a little toe with a big part, a major part. But all I do is usher. That's all you do? You're ushering for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's going to give you a crown of righteousness. All I do is meet with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's all I do. Is that all? Oh my goodness. You're impacting the lives of young people and you have no idea how that's going to blossom and how people are going to be impacted by what they've received from you and what you're doing. But all I do is make a meal for someone who just had a funeral. You know, we just recently had about three funerals. Am I correct? Three or four? Four. Four. And it's nice to know that we can call somebody on the phone and just say, you know what? We just want to send a meal over. Can you help out? What's making a, a roast? How important is that? Very important. It's love and action. It's you doing something 
to impact someone else's heart and life. You're being a blessing to someone. You know, we live in a society right now where it seems like as though people are just concerned about themselves and not concerned about anybody else. But I want you to know something. That's not the body of Christ. He said, just as your body needs every part, so we need every part functioning where God placed that person to function. Why? So we can benefit the whole body and bring honor and glory to God so people on the outside can see what's happening and they'll want what we have. Next, it helps us take our appropriate place in the body of Christ. Because see, now that I know that this is what I'm to do, that's my appropriate place. That's where God wants me to be. I'm glad to know that I'm where God wants me to be, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Again, I go back to my own personal um, experience. There were 35 people here at the church when uh, God spoke to my heart about coming here. There were almost 35 people at a Bible study in Youngstown where I was teaching in my father's house. And when I let them know I was coming here, you know what they said? They said, why don't you start a church here? You've got your family here. You've got more than, you've got, probably got just as many people and we can get a whole lot more. Why don't you start a church here? Um, excuse me? I'm not the master designer. And they're not the master designer. You step out to do something that's not the will of God for your life. You got failure written all over it. I said numbers don't mean anything. What's important is I acknowledge that God knows where he wants me to be. And God knows what he wants me to do. And if I will align myself with that. I'm placing myself to be blessed by almighty God. So it's important that we recognize these foundational truths. Just be where God wants you to be with the right heart doing what God wants you to do. I like to say it like this. Be at the right place at the right time with the right heart doing what God wants you to do. And that's a a recipe for success. And next. It will also help us see ourselves as a conduit, a channel, a funnel of God's blessing. When you took that salad over to that house or brought it here to the church for someone else to give it, you were a channel of God's blessing and you blessed somebody. When you sent that card, that note to someone who might be in the armed forces and they're serving and you don't know what they're going through and and maybe, you know, maybe they're having some challenges and difficulties, but that card arrived and it came and you inspired that person, iron sharpening iron, and they read your encouraging words and it thrilled their heart. And when Satan might have had a hold on them, But now that thing was blown asunder. Burst apart. Why? Because you sent that word in due season. And penetrated that heart of that person. You know what? I believe God's always speaking to us. It's time that we start listening to what he's saying to us. Because sometimes I think people think. Well what's this little card sent out? What's that going to do? It's going to do a lot. Trust me. Because it's inspired by God. What's making that little meal going to do? A whole lot. Okay next. Also, it helps us maintain our purpose in the body. It gives you, you can live your life in purpose. This is my purpose. This is what I do. And once again, it's wonderful to see how God has really designed this body of believers right here. He really has orchestrated this entire thing. And when I see the the instruments of music being played and those that are committed to that, God placed a talent, a gift, and ability within you that's to be used for his honor and glory. How many of you know that you can use it not to glorify God? You can use your gift and talent, let's say, to just to gain fame and fortune in the world. But the thing is, you'll have a reward at the end of all that. It's only that you, what you do for Christ that's going to count in the eternal kingdom of Almighty God. 
And so even though you might have that beautiful voice or that gift, that talent of this, that, or the other thing, it needs sanctified and set apart to serve God. Next. And the next one, we need to avoid spiritual burnout. Because when you start doing so many different things, you don't know exactly what it is that God wants you to do, you can get to a place that you just burn out spiritually. You're just going in every direction, to and fro, and all that. You're trying to do so much, but you're doing too much. You say, can I ever do too much? There's a lot of good things to do, but they're not necessarily God things. And you can do so much that you actually burn out. Focus on the thing that God wants you to do. So now here we've got it. You're a physical body, and you've got many members. Christ is a spiritual body with many members. Every member has a function. Every member has a part. And we don't know where they belong. It's like the pieces of a puzzle. But when we all go to God and say, where do I belong? Where do you want me to be? He says, okay, you're here. Okay, you're there. Okay, you're here. and You're there. Why? Because he's the master designer. Now, I can ignore my gift and not even use it at all. I can hide it under a bushel. I can hide it in the ground or just walk away and think that I don't have anything. You saw that scripture says everyone has received the gift. As every man has received the gift. You had and I had gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of us before we ever got saved. But when we got saved, I do believe that there was an addition to that gift. There's an anointing upon that gift. There is something that God highlighted that he wants to make known to all of us is this is where you function. This is where you need to be. This is what I want you to do for me to advance my kingdom. Now, is that the least we can do for Jesus who died on Calvary's cross for us and sacrificed his life for us? Okay, so now let's talk about discovering our gift because that's what everybody wants to know. And I realize it's not an easy thing to do for, for people. Like I told you, God had to speak with a loud voice for me to get it. I'm glad that he did because sometimes people think I have a hard hit. I'm not saying anyone in particular, even though she's five foot one. <laughs> Don't you say a word. <laughs> all right. Discovering our gift. First of all, you've got to meet Jesus. You've got to have a genuine, bona fide meeting with Jesus where you know him as your Savior and Lord. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 9. Saul of Tarsus was very active, proactive. He believed in his Jewish faith. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And as far as the law was concerned, he said, I was flawless. And he was so enthusiastic about destroying Christianity, he set his heart and mind like a flint to do the job. He's on the Damascus Road with papers in his hands. He's going to find anyone's a Christian and put them in jail and have them beheaded. Aren't you glad you don't live in those days? Or, how about this? Take your preference. Under, beside, behind curtain A is a beheading. Behind curtain B, fed the lions. C, burn at the stake. Take your pick. Aren't you glad you don't live during that time? So here he is on the Damascus Road. And what's he doing? He thinks he's doing the right thing for the God that he serves. As he journeyed, he came to Damascus and suddenly... There shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, 
Look at these words. What will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You might as well get it right from the top, right? Lord, what do you want me to do? He was doing a lot until he met Jesus. Because what he was doing was wrong until he met Jesus. But once he met Jesus, he started doing something that was right. But here he meets Jesus. He has this personal encounter with him. He is born again. He accepts Christ into his heart. And what does he do? He goes over and he's at this street called Straight. And he's waiting there for three days. And we'll see that in a moment. Next, spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Once again, look at Acts chapter 9. And verse 11 and 12. Now, mind you, he is three days fasting. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. He prayeth. For three days he was there at the house, and for three days he was fasting. And now we see he was praying. And hath seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So now we see he had an encounter with Jesus. Now he's in a place for three days where he's fasting. And now we see that he's beginning to pray. He's praying during that particular time. So he set aside, you could say, some time to probably think over what he just experienced. What just happened to me? I'm physically blind. I cannot see. Oh, I thought I was seeing it clearly when I was trying to kill Christians, but I couldn't see. But now I'm physically blind, but you know what? Now I'm beginning to see spiritually. Now I saw Jesus, and now I heard his voice, and now I know his mission, and I know he has a plan for my life, and now I'm dedicated to that plan. So Lord, what will you have me to do? What a question. What do you want me to do? Where do I fit in? What part of the body am I? Do you see that? And now he's praying. He said, okay. Next, spend time in the word. Spend time in the word. Psalm 119.105. Thy word is a what? Lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As you, like we are today, study the word of God and you begin to hear some things unfold about the different motivational gifts and spiritual gifts, manifestational gifts, etc. What happens is this. It begins to get bigger and bigger on the inside of you. When I first got saved, I guarantee you, all I did was study the Bible, got into many of these different books on faith and righteousness and the name of Jesus and all that, without anybody telling me or instructing me, and I would just read them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You realize if God's going to give us the next step, we better be taking the first one. And the first one is come to Jesus. Go to him in prayer. Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm available to you. Place me where you want me to be. Put in me what you want me to, to do, whatever it might be. And that's exactly what he did with Saul. And next, do what your hand finds to do. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10. Do what your hand finds to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. If we're going to work, let's work for the Lord right here, right now. Let's recognize, yes, we have a physical body with many different needs. You've got a family with many different needs. But the body of Christ is the people he shed his blood for. And the sacrifice that he made is for his body. Those that would embrace him as Savior and Lord. 
And as a result of appreciating what he's done for us, he's made a deposit in our lives. And you know what? It's there in all of our lives. Whether we ever recognize it or not, it is there. It could be so small, but it's yet so big. Like I said, it could be, give me those names. I'm an encourager. Call upon me to make a meal. I'm a server. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Listen to what others say about you. John 14, 9. Listen to what others say about you. What do you mean by that? Remember the woman at the well? Remember the woman at the well when Jesus went to her and said, give me some water? And she was shocked that a Samaritan, he would talk to a Samaritan woman. Remember that? Right. Look at what she said after he cleaned her clock and read her mail. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know, sometimes others can see in you what you can't see in yourself. Listen to what other people are saying about you. You're your own worst enemy. Did you know that? I'm my own worst enemy. What did Moses say? God said, I want you to go do this. He goes, I can't do that. I can't talk. And what did God say? Who made your tongue? See, what do we say about ourselves? I'm not not qualified for this. That's what I said. I'm not qualified to do that, Lord. He's looking for availability, not just ability. He knows our background. He knows everything about us. He knows what we're capable of doing or not capable of doing. But here's the thing. Whatever he, let's say, highlights in your life that you're to do, he will anoint you to do it. You're not doing it in your own strength or ability. Can I make a confession to you about myself? I'm telling you right now. If someone asked me, would you come over here and speak to us about this? Th-? No. Why not? I don't speak in front of people. Unless it's the Bible. If you want me to come there and preach. You heard my testimony. I'm in college. I dropped out. I'm standing there in communications class. I'm going to give an oral report. It's my turn. Go up there and do it. I'm shaking like a leaf. My hands are shaking like this. My paper shake. The paper was louder than I was. sweating bullets I mean it is dripping off my nose and just running down my cheeks and when I got done I was done but I dropped the class no communications class for me and I said this I will never speak in front of people again people find that hard to believe but the only place I do it is right here and the only subject is right here Come on down there and just talk about no. Uh Uh-uh. Won't do it. Now, look at this one. What brings joy to your heart? See, sometimes we want this profound thing. What brings joy to your heart? Is it writing? Is it serving? I want you to compare these two scriptures. Look at these two scriptures in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. By the way, that's that's an error on my part in in your notes. That's not Luke 11, it should be Luke 10, just so you can see that. So change that. That should be Luke 10, 38 to 40, I believe it is. And then John 12, first three verses. Look at, look at this first. Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, 
Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. That was before the resurrection of Lazarus, their brother. Right? So keep that in mind. And what happened? Martha was a server. But she wanted to impose upon Mary to have her do what she was doing. But Mary was one who really was in tune with Jesus and wanted to know a lot more about what he had to say. After the resurrection, we go to John chapter 12. Let's pull that up. And look what happens. Martha complained during that time in Luke. Jesus kind of gave her a gentle rebuke. Right? He gently rebuked her and said, Martha, Martha. Not to be confused with Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> Kids, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this is after the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, six days before the Passover, this is before he dies on the cross, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which he had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha what? Served. And Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. And Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Whoa. Martha didn't complain. This time, she served because she knew that was her gift. Lazarus, well, let's skip over Lazarus just for a second. Let's go to Mary. Mary worshiped. It was in her to worship. A true worshiper of God. Pouring the ointment on his feet. So now you've got a server. And now you've got a worshiper. And oh, would you have loved to have been there with Lazarus who was raised from the dead and Jesus in fellowship sitting at the table iron sharpening iron. Can you imagine what conversation took place because in six days Jesus is going to the cross and in six days he's going to die. Lazarus was already dead. Lazarus had to have some kind of insight. Think about that. And I could only imagine what they were sitting there discussing at that table based on what was about to take place now you got one serving now you got one worshiping and you got one fellowshipping and they're all needed it's all needed can you see that we need the worshipers we need the servers we need the administrators right we need those that are the ones that are writers that write encouraging cards and statements to people and sends letters to encourage people you might see somebody that you know in the body that's hurting and because you're aware of it you might once again be an encourager you're ex one who exhorts do so what about the merciful one that's we'll talk about these but what about the one that shows mercy he's compassionate oh that is the very heart of God rising up in you you realize that Jesus was moved with compassion and healed all were sick so compassion that's rising up in you that is a gift of God that is God himself in manifestation through your life trying to reach somebody else okay now the objective 
Look at Romans chapter 12. We started there and we'll close it out here. Here are the objectives with regard to finding our gift, discovering our gift, taking our place and doing our part. Let love be without dissimulation means hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good is what he says here. So he is saying create an atmosphere of love that's without hypocrisy. A genuine sincere love that is flowing within the body. Let me ask you a question. Are you pleased when your whole body functions so perfectly that you're unaware of any pain? Or stand up if you're the one that really just loves pain. We'll get you some help. Are you glad when your body's pain free? Mm -hmm. Okay, so in other words, create an atmosphere of love. Secondly, what did he say? Abhor what is evil. Abhor it. Detest it. Run from it. Have no part to play in it. What's he talking about? No strife, no division, no envy, no animosity. Nothing that's going to create any kind of working of evil. Don't attach yourself to any of that at all. So perfect love, no malice, no unkindness, no unforgiveness, no anything that would take away from love. And thirdly, look at what he says. Cleave to that which is good. Cleave means to weld yourself, to attach yourself, to glue yourself to what is good. So now we have the whole body functioning together like a human body. And did you ever do this? You bumped your elbow and it just lets you know it and you went like that. Huh? Sure you did. What are you doing? You're loving your body. And you're meeting the need of the body. Right? Right. Did your stomach ever tell you I'm hungry? Uh huh. Some say it louder than others, but we know that it's there. And what do you do? You feed it. So, in other words, the body of Christ is to be a living organism of love where people come together. No malice, nothing evil, no jealousy. Why? Because we're all equal and we all need, we all are needed within the body. And so, your part is no different than my part. You got the reward that I get. I get the reward that you get because we're all functioning together as one body. Okay, so that's for that. But look at the, in the uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 to 13. Notice, he gave some apostles and prophets and some pa- evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? What's the objective? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, and the full measure of the stature of Christ. Or the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the objective is to promote spiritual maturity among the people. You have a mature congregation when maybe someone's out of sorts. And you come along and you're the encourager and just say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't think that way. You know, maybe it was an oversight. Don't think that way. You realize how easy it is for people to fall through the cracks sometimes? You know, sometimes we'll get a call like someone hasn't been here for a, a period of time. And you just didn't know it. You, you missed it. We need everybody to be our eyes and ears. Everybody to be out there watching for each other. Caring for each other. And maybe giving that person a call. What's going on? Can I help you? Etc. Etc. So it's important that we all realize we have a part to play. And our function is necessary within the body. Just like the human body. The physical body. But then also. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. Now notice this. Here. The manifestation of the spirit. These are the spiritual manifestations of the gifts of the spirit. Given to every man to what? 
profit with all. To benefit the entirety of the body of Christ. So in other words, you've got this living organism of love. Everybody pieced together, positioned by God, taking their place, doing their part. Understanding that on the inside, when you know that I'm a server, I love serving people then you know what you should do? You should promote that within the body. Maybe invite a few people over your house. Sit down and talk to them. Get to know them a little bit better. Invest in their lives. You might be a giver. Maybe God has blessed you financially. And even though you've been blessed financially, you're still a giver. And you don't want to hoard it for yourself. You see someone that's in need, maybe in a situation where they need help. And without anybody knowing it, you help out, you give. And you're an administrator. Maybe you're a leader, someone who who gets involved in leading. And that's just your forte. You might want to get involved in different aspects of ministry. You know, Brother Chuck's ministry of administrating. Uh, and, and all that he does. And ask him. It's coming from within here. That's just who he is. That's his gift and he knows it. That's what he uses it for. To lead. And, and the list goes on and on. But the whole point being. God's goal is to have one body. Functioning together. As the body of Christ. Just like the physical body. Caring for each other. Loving each other. Helping each other. Encouraging each other. Uplifting each other. Knowing each other. And then doing their part. Because why? When we all do our little bit. A lot gets done. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi. Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church. I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.